Well, hello there. My name is HW, and thank you so much for listening to episode 43 of the Tone Junkie Podcast. Dudes, it's an old school episode. We're back, just blabbing to the phone. It's a little bit too cold to be outside with some cold brew right now, or even some hot brew. It's a little bit too cold to be on the rocking chairs on the porch. So we're not porching at this this uh, this session, but I hope you notice I've upped the frequency of the podcasts. Side note, I know there's some audio issues with the podcast. I know the audio has been really low. I'm trying to fix that. You know, you, you just, you figure things out. And that one's getting figured out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate all the support. And um, even with those video versions of the podcast, I still want to be able to just grab my phone and do this whole sort of thing. It's just HW off the top of his head, just going at whatever's 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 eating them up. You know what I mean? So something hit me yesterday and I've been getting a lot of questions about the Stu G pack. And if you're like, Hey, I'm into the Stu G pack, but every piece of content's about the Stu G thing right now. It's cause look, it, it's, I'm really excited about it. And so I, so it's, I know all week it's just been Stu G stuff, Stu G stuff, Stu G stuff, but I'm super excited about it. I'm super excited because I've never put in this much work into a profile pack before. And this is not meant to be like a little commercial or something for the Stu G pack. I probably will throw up the audio from that uh, that Stu G collection video where it's me and him talking for like 30 minutes. But I, I, we just did the Stu G podcast, so I didn't want to do that before I got on here and just talk a little bit about what's going on in the Tone Junkie world and just stuff that's new with HW and just thoughts I have right now on on stuff. So let's get into that, shall we? I haven't put in this much effort into a pack before. I've produced some really great packs. To be honest with you, I think some of the, the more recent stuff I've released has been some of the best stuff ever. The Plexi and the uh, Loman pack, the, the Tweed Loman. I've been getting emails from people saying this is the best, your, your, your best packs ever. Hey, a lot of that's preference. Like Some people like a Plexi, some people like a Fender Twin. Some people like... Uh, an AC-15. Some people like a high watt. So who knows what's the best profile ever. A lot of it's just up to what you like. You know, it's totally subjective. But one of the things I think is really true is that um, uh, this stuff we just made with Stu... I'm super stoked about. There were sounds in these amps that Stu didn't even realize that he was into. He always used the channels linked, and that always brings in this chimey chant, this like brighter kind of channel one uh, character. Well, we separated the channels out. In fact, when, when, when we first got our hands on the amp, one of the inputs was broken, so he wasn't using one of the channels. But the linked input was working. So we dialed both channels up through that linked input, and... Um, I mean, they just sounded incredible. The channel two, we found a bunch of like higher gain tones that he was really into, stuff that's perfect for leads. And um, he was like, wow, this is, I didn't even, I've never used this channel. I haven't used this channel in, you know, 15 years, like 20 years or something like that. And it was just, it was just crazy stuff. Put in, I, I wanted to profile the park completely like as though it wasn't even his, as though I was just covering the amp because there's no parks out there. And which I can't believe. I'd love to get some more parks and stuff. There's even some modern parks that I think are really cool, but there's no park amps out there, no park profiles. So now we're gonna have this really special, like 
uh, kind of Marshall JMP weird beast thing that Jim Marshall made because his distributors were telling him or the, the, the Rose Morrison was telling him, no, we don't want that product. This is the product we want. This is what we're willing to buy. And we have exclusive distribution for your products, which is crazy that someone could even do that. But so he started making his own sick, fine, I'll make these on the side and I'll show, sell them through one shop. And that's what he did. He was just doing it because he, he's a designer, because he's creative. So I'm really excited about this amp. It's, it's a killer amp. The other thing we do is we put duels together of the Park and the JMP. Oh, they sound so good. They sound so good. In fact, that seems to have become like Stu's number one thing, um, you know, which I don't think he had had those amps together for a long time. And had that sound together, but now he's he actually took my Kemper and both my expression pedals. So I gotta play this Sunday with no pedals. I gotta run like an old school real volume pedal. Stu G totally came over and stole my stuff. But that was a moment I had two dudes where it was like his Ebo broke, and we were trying to shoot this demo, and we went to Guitar Center, and it kind of hit me. It hit me that I had this memory when I was like walking right behind him going into Guitar Center. I had this memory of like playing a little youth event. It was like a youth event where the youth was going to do the band for the first time. And we still had to get like a grown up drummer because none of the kids could play drums well enough so that it didn't sound like garbage. But, but you know, I could play the guitar well enough. This kid could play the bass well enough. There's another kid who could, who could like sing well enough, you know. And so we were going to lead worship and we invited the whole church and it was like, it's a youth led, it wasn't like a youth led service. It was more like a youth night. It was for the youth, but the whole church was invited just to see what the youth ministry was up to. You guys, I played the most embarrassing guitar. I played a Hamer Explorer that was all sunburst. It was so uh, um, silly looking, uh, but actually like really awesome in another way. And it makes me want uh, an Explorer now, uh, again, as I'm saying this, but it um, it basically it was just ridiculous. I was playing a line uh, a flex tone two XL because I'm an old school line six guy. A lot of people I know think I dis I dislike line six products. No no no. I'm I'm an OG. I was into Max before they were cool. My family had Max growing up, like the G like before the G three towers, before the old G three and the white plastic, like before the iMac. We were Mac people, and then, and then Max got cool. I was line six before line six was cool. I played an original pod. I had the Flextone stuff. I even had um, the AX two twelve. Is it called? AX212. It was before the Flextone stuff. It was like lines. It was like Johnson Millennial Digital Amp. And then this thing came out, the AX212 by Line 6. You could still get them for really cheap. They, they sound fine. They, they don't sound amazing at all, but they sound fine with that big, ugly floorboard that they used to have. And like we played My Glorious. And I think we played. I think we did rain down my glorious we did like what other songs would we have done we did like we must have been doing like some like a, like some matt redman stuff or something you know it was like there wasn't a ton of cool music yet in the christian world i mean there kind of was but i remember learning what's funny is like from memory i remember learning the track and I would play the guitar part, and then I realized the bass is like doing a, doing a little bum 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 bum, you know, 
Yeah, the bass is like doing that. But I remember we did it on guitar too, like doubled the bass. I don't know, just because when you're young, you just don't know. You just you just try to play everything or something. And I had this moment where I remembered like being that kid, learning my glorious, and like arguing with my friends about like what the chords were, and like no, I'll do this and I'll do this, you know. And and. And then I was like standing, and then, you know, like there's no way we hit that solo. I don't know what we played. I mean, we must have done anything else. Um, And I think maybe at that time I was in like the idea that I should like rewrite every solo or something. Cause like, and now I look back and I'm like, that's just because I didn't have the discipline to learn them. But then I was like, well, I'll just, I won't play it note for note. I'll just like do something similar, you know, and, and I'm sure it wasn't similar at all. But I had this just moment where I was taken back, like, how's that little kid like learning this song? And now like, Student mere friends, you know what I mean? And it got me thinking about this thing of just like, what's possible? Where can you go? What things are in store? And I've really been thinking about that because one thing I haven't shared is that um, I'm really kind of like trying to, I'm having like a bit of a life change right now. Uh, for those of you who listen to the podcast and stuff, and I've, I've ranted about all this stuff before, you know. I, uh, I, I moved from San Francisco. I was born and raised in San Francisco. I was there for about 30 years. Um, I, I moved to Nashville and, um, that was trying, but it was really the best thing I've ever done because, um, it's just amazing here what I have now in Nashville. Um, you know, we, we had just started a family in San Francisco and I had just had my second son. And when my, when my youngest son was one years old, we moved to Nashville I heard a lot of flack from my parents, from not really my parents so much, my grandparents, my aunts. I still have some some family relationships that I don't know if they'll ever really heal back to where they were. And that was a real like kind of thing to learn is that sometimes some of the relationships that are like the bedrock of your youth, um, they can really shift, they can change. And life still goes on, you know, that's where you learn resilience and stuff. And really what that was, was like, like, I feel like, I don't know how many people experience this, but if you're a millennial or you're like my age, like I'm a really old millennial. So I'm 32. So whenever I look up, like, what is a millennial? It's either like, like real, like, like in the broad sense, they say millennials right now would be like 37 or younger or something like that. It's that super broad. We always think of millennials as being in their twenties. Well, I'm 32 I'm not a Gen Xer for sure. Um, I'm, I'm obviously my, my, my I'm, I'm not like this. I'm, my parents are baby boomers. So what are the, what are the kids of baby boomers called? Well, the kid, a lot of baby boomers, their kids are millennials, depending on how long they waited. My kids, my parents had kids, you know, us pretty young, like earlier in their twenties. I'm not a Gen Xer. I think I'm like a Gen Yer, but even that Gen Y thing is not is not really like in stone, right? Like generate there's everyone of every age all the time, so it's hard to like delineate generation, generation, generation. You see some big ones, but I I, I always get like whenever I look, I'm usually one of the oldest millennials, no matter what like thing. I've never looked up anything where it said I wasn't a millennial, which is always funny to me because I don't feel like a millennial. To me, to me, a millennial are my friends who, um, this is a millennial to me. Like I can tell a millennial, like really, um, not like, not, not like making fun of them or anything, but you know where you can really tell what generation people are from and how they grew up. You can tell in how they interact in their commerce, like with businesses. So let me give you an example right now. If I go, I don't, I've called Amazon, 
So like I'll live chat, like if, like whatever I go to the website, if I see, however they tell me to contact them, if it's email, I'll email. If it's live chat, I'll live chat. If it has a phone number, I'll pick up a phone and do a phone order. I don't mind that. But really, I notice people who are th- even just three and four years younger than me, if they see a phone number at the top of the page, they will skip right over that. See, my parents' generation, a phone number is better than email. Email, you can ignore people. A phone is like get a person on the phone. Live chat? Who am I live chatting with? I don't even know who this person is. I want to pick up the phone and call them. I want to be there, really. Like my grandparents, like I don't even want to call somebody. Who is this? What is this? You know, like to my grandparents, technology looked like Montgomery Ward's started in Chicago move or, or moved their big plant to Chicago and and Montgomery Wards became was the Amazon of my parent of my grandparents generation the idea that you could that a catalog would show up at your house and then you were going to read you were going to look at that and you could pick up a phone and call them or mail something in and then my dad's generation see by that point he was like he he wasn't into into Montgomery Wards as much, but they were still doing like the rich chocolatey Ovaltine, fill out your card and I'll send it in. And when you filled out the card, see some of you remember this because I did this a couple times when I was a really little kid. My parents would like have me do this thing. Oh, you like fill out this card and you save up these little stamps from the grocery store, right? I didn't really do this, but I did it for like, um, you know, you could get like a rebate offer or something. But my dad would tell me stories like, yeah, whenever my whenever his mom, my grandmother would go to the store, they'd get these little stickers and you put the stickers in the books and then you'd send it away. And then you, once your book was filled, you'd send it off. And then six to eight, 10 weeks later, a little portable radio would show up and they'd be like, hey, you got a free radio. And the kids would be like, whoa, we, we saved up all these stickers, got a free radio. Like that was like a normal thing, right? My grandparents, like Montgomery Wards would send a catalog to your house. You could order from it. Whoa, they, they were doing that and their parents thought that was crazy that you'd send somebody money. You don't even know where it's going. Who are those people? You don't know if they're going to send you something that's going to be broken. But you know, you have returns, right? Then you fast forward and like me, you know, you know, you, you know how we work now. Now, like I remember in the late 90s or even the early the early aughts, like the early 2000s, I remember people being like, "No, no, I don't I don't put my credit card in the computer." Cuz they were worried about theft. And could you imagine someone taking that stance today? I don't put my credit card in a computer. They would they would die. I guess I don't know what would happen to them. I guess they would. I don't know. They'd be one step above like foraging around in the wilderness for food, not putting them. I remember this is a true story. My buddy was dating this girl. He bought her mom like a gift for for uh, it was a Mother's Day or her birthday. He bought her one of those digital photographs. Do you remember those digital photographs? It was a really stupid idea. It, I mean, it was kind of it was kind of like an idea. Like, it was one of those things that back then it was a product, but today it's a feature, right? Like today you would have like a digit. You would have you could have something that changes photos in your house. Alexa has those little things that shows you your calendar and alerts, and you can put photos on it and stuff. It's like a screen. These these digital photographs were like a screensaver. A little screen that was just a screensaver. And you could put in like 10 photos on it. And you could just load it on the device itself. And it would just put like 10 photos would just keep changing, right? I bought one for my grandma. She never used it. That was when I started noticing people are different by their age, you know? Anyway, um, my buddy buys one of these for his girlfriend's mom. 
and she like took it, accepted it, right? But then um, she, but then she told him politely, like, "Hey, I'm." Um, she said, "I really appreciate this, but I'm not going to use this because I don't want anyone to be able to get my credit card through this." You guys, she thought that by giving her a little screen that you could like put a memory card in, literally, like you could put in. Um, like a micro SD card and put 10 photos on it. She thought that through that, somehow someone could hack in through the internet into that device and somehow reach out and grab her credit card numbers like out of the air if she was near it. I, I don't know. I don't, I, 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 so <laughs> I still laugh about that. Like, but she was that type of person. Like, I don't put my, my cart, my card in a computer, right? But now I notice like it's the it's the little differences because what happened was technology was going and then technology really accelerated it it really accelerated in the late '90s into what we have today. The last 25 years is undeniably the the biggest change in in technology. I mean, it's changed life like like on the level of like we invented penicillin and now people don't die of infections. And then when we did that, the world population exploded. You can go back, look up when penicillin was invented. Sometimes you'll even see a population thing of the world, and sometimes it'll have the point. It'll say penicillin invented, and you'll see penicillin's invented, and like 10 years later, there's way more people on the planet. I mean, like way more, because we weren't, people just didn't die of infections anymore. They just stopped dying of, they just started, all of a sudden they got penicillin, and an infection didn't kill them, and then they kept going on. And all of a sudden, we, less people were dying, and people are still being born fast. You know what I mean? And then, uh, and then women get the right to vote and stuff. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but no, but that did happen. No, but uh, it, it, like things, you know, things are are always progressing. But you get on this this track right in the late '90s, early aughts, where technology is going crazy. I remember Webvan. They opened a new San Francisco Giants stadium. I went to the opening when I was a kid. Every cup holder said, Webvan, order your groceries online. Webvan, order your groceries online. Well, this was like 98. No one wanted to do it. Webvan almost went bankrupt. They later got bought by by Safeway and became Safeway.com. And now, dude, I get stuff delivered to my house all the time. My wife is constantly having stuff delivered to our house, like groceries. She'll go grocery shopping. But she'll grocery shop just like on the regular, right? She'll take, she, we got like a cash budget system. She'll do the cash thing. She'll get groceries for us. And it's fairly routine. It's these Lunchables for like Saturday, Pop-Tarts for the kids for weekend mornings, like healthier stuff, oatmeal for the weekdays when they got schools. I don't like to give them sugar before school. Um, oatmeal, you know, uh, uh, bars and stuff, whatever, whatever. Goldfish for snacks, like, you know, stuff for sandwiches and everything. And then, but then, if we're gonna have like a dinner party, like she, like we're gonna have another family over for dinner, or one of her, or she's gonna have like some of her girlfriends over, and she's gonna cook, she'll have that stuff delivered. I'm trying to tell her right now. I go, listen, I know you you don't see it, but then there's one more step, and you're not gonna take it because you're too old to adapt. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, listen, right now you get your stuff delivered, but you're right, you get your groceries delivered. But what's the next step of this? She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, the pain point is going to be eliminated. That's that's how we keep progressing. That's how products keep going. You eliminate the, the, the pain points for customers, right? So what's the pain point right now in having your groceries delivered to your house? You have to be home to get it. 
So what are they going to start doing in the future? You know what the number one most requested new feature uh, uh, feature on new home builds is right now? Like a new feature that was just invented and it's the most requested on homes right now of all new features. Do you know what it is? It's not Wi-Fi in the walls. It's not heated whatever. It's, am- it's, it's lock boxes for Amazon packages because people are getting their stuff stolen because it's so common to get deliveries every day. So they want an Amazon delivery guy or a, someone to have a key to one of these boxes. They can open one side of it, put it in, lock it, and then you open the other side, which is on, the, on your side, on your inside the house. It's like a giant mailbox, but it's in the front of your house and you could put large packages in it. They're not very popular, but they'll become popular. I told her the pain point is that right now you have to be home to get this delivery. And I missed the delivery one time because I was downstairs and I couldn't hear the door. And my wife tore me a new one. She made me go to the store and buy all those groceries again. And she was upset with me. That didn't make up for it. But listen, I told her the next thing is that you're not going to have to be home. The next thing is that because you have a smart lock, right? Because Amazon's going to allow you to tie it into a smart lock and and Whole Foods. So here's what's going to happen. Amazon's going to sell you a smart lock as part of the Alexa home thing. And you're going to schedule your your delivery through, you're going to schedule your food delivery through Alexa. And then a person from Whole Foods is going to go get your food and they're going to bring it to your house. And when they show up, your Alexa uh, enabled smart lock is going to open it up and let them in. And your Alexa devices are going to keep an eye on them while they go to your fridge and stock your fridge, while they put your perishables away in the fridge because they will have asked you to clear out a a shelf on your fridge to hold this stuff, and the rest they'll leave on your counter. They'll walk out the door, they'll close the door behind them, and Alexa will lock the door. She told me, she said, I'll never let anybody in my house like that. I said, our parents told us, don't get in the car with strangers, Don't and don't talk to people you meet on the internet. But but who isn't taking Uber and Lyft? And who isn't meeting people who's young and single and isn't meeting people on Tinder? And who's older and isn't meeting people on eHarmony and Match.com? And who, and who is a farmer that isn't on Farmers Only? It changes. It changes completely. So I told her, I said, I said, listen, because I had a great talk with my son the other day. I got, you know, those robo calls that come in. I know we're way off track, but listen, this is all going to tie in in the end to where I'm going about my life change and about Stoogie and everything. Trust me. If you could trust HW for one thing, it's to tie all this stuff back in because this is how my mind works. It wanders way far. It strays way far. It goes way far away from home, but it always comes back. It's like a boomerang. My mind is like a boomerang. That's got to be a, a bumper sticker. This is this is what I'm saying. I, I had this talk with my son because a robot called me. And maybe I've told this story before. When I say a robot called me, I mean, I got one of those robo calls. And it was like, do not hang up. Do you suffer from lower back pain? And I hung up really quickly, right? And he heard it because I picked him up from school. He was in the car. And I answered it on, on the car's Bluetooth. So it was coming through the speakers of the car. And then he, he was like, why did you hang up? Why'd you hang up on that person? And I was like, it wasn't a person. It was a robot. He was like, wait, really? I was like, yeah, it was a robot. He's like, oh, what? Wait, really? I was like, listen, it wasn't a robot that like walks around 
right? Like he's got arms and legs and he's like a robot and can like fly and stuff. And then he just, he didn't just walk. That's not that kind of robot. And he just walked up to a phone, picked it up and dialed me. I'm like, it's a robot that's like in a computer. It's a computer program, but it's like a robot. And that's called a robocall. It's when a robot calls you and says something. And he said, what did the robot want? And I said, he wanted to give me medicine for my back. And, and my son was like, you didn't want it? I was like, no, I don't have a problem with my back. He was like, oh, that was it. He, I left it there and I leave it there, right? Like he has an understanding now. But you got to understand what that means. To us, that's an annoying robocall. In his world, robots call people. And the reason I leave it there with him, the reason I don't feel the need to explain like, hey, it's not, the reason I'm okay with him being six and understanding that robots call people is that then the conversation went to this. I said, hey, Ollie, I just want you to know something right now. Robots can do a lot of stuff, but people don't let them do everything yet because we're still making the robots the best they can be. But pretty soon robots are going to be doing a lot, a lot of things for us. Like in your lifetime, and when you get a little older, you're probably not even going to want to drive this car. And he's like, "I well, I want my own car. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, forget that. But I said, but you know, when you're 16, when I was 16, when my dad was 16, we all got licenses to drive. But when you're 16, you're probably not even going to want to drive. I told my wife this too. She was like, what are you talking about? I was like, listen. The trend right now among young people is that they're not in a hurry to drive. They want their parents to give them unlimited Uber. I've talked about this before too. At 16, if your parents will give you unlimited Uber, they'll put their credit card in your Uber. The parent is assured, listen to this, the parent is assured that you're not going to text and drive and be irresponsible. They like the idea that an Uber driver is at least vetted somewhat. They have a license, right? And they're trying to do this as a living. So they're not going to try not to crash. They're not going to show up drunk. People trust Ubers now. Isn't it insane that the parents who grew up hearing and believing and telling their kids and, and probably would have told their kids had they been a little bit older, don't get in the car with strangers. They're putting their credit card, they're paying for their kids to get in cars, cars with strangers. But I told my son this, I said, look, I said, when you get older, either you're going to want to take those Ubers like we take, because he knows what an Uber is, we've taken Uber. Or I said, the robots are going to drive you around. He's like, really? I said, but yeah, listen, Ollie, it's not going to be like a robot gets in this car and drives you, but we're going to get a different car. And the car is a robot and the car is going to drive itself. And I'm going to strap you in, in your, in your car seat or in your seat. I'm going to put you in the back seat and I'm going to say car, Tesla, whatever, Alexa, that'll be there. Alexa, whatever, take Siri, take Ollie to school. And that car is going to drive my son to school. And that car is going to go through the pickup line and, the, and, and it's going to unlock the door and Ollie's going to get out. And he's going to go into a school. It's shit, dudes. If right now you're going, I'm not going to do that. I, I freaking guarantee you it's not after our lifetime. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to assume you're a little bit on the younger side. I'm going to assume you're not. I'm going to assume you're under 50. You might be 50. If you are under 30, it's, it's you guys. You might even get to the point, because this is what I'm seeing in, in like San Francisco when I go back and visit. So since Uber, 
I'm watching so many of my friends who used to have licenses, even if they didn't have cars. They would take the bus a lot. They would do this. And sometimes they would have a car or they would borrow a friend's car and they would pay the friend. That was That's pretty common in cities if you don't know that. If you got a friend who has a car, they pay for the car a lot, you might be like, hey, can I take your car for the day? And, and you might you might do that like once or twice a week, and the person might not use their car a lot because they can get by without it, and they'll take 50 bucks, they'll take whatever, because they're paying the space rent on the car in the garage, because those garages, those garages in San Francisco are like six, 700 bucks a month just to have a garage to park your car on top of your rent. So... I would see that. And then I would see this. Even people who didn't drive, you know, they kept their license up. Because occasionally they would borrow a friend's car and they do this or that. My dudes, I, one of my friends, she was like, yeah, well, my license expired. I was like, what are you talking about? Why'd you let your license expire? She was like, well, I haven't driven in like two and a half years. I just take Uber everywhere. She was like, and I'm supposed to renew it. And I just didn't. And I was like, are you gonna? She's like, I don't know. I'm eventually. But I realized something. I was like, no, no. Having a license to drive a car, having that skill was something you needed or else you couldn't work. You needed it or else you weren't a part of society. You didn't meet people who didn't have a license. The only people who didn't have licenses who were adults, they got it taken away because they had a DUI or they went to jail or whatever, got suspended for parking tickets. We're getting to the point where in cities like that, people are like, I just didn't renew my license because I don't use it. The skill of being a licensed driver is not even one that's valuable enough to me to even like send in the form or keep it up. I just don't even use it. So what's going to happen is that kids are not even, they're, they're going to have even less motivation to want to get a license because freedom's going to actually start coming at 14, 15. Because if you think parents are going to wait to give unlimited Uber to their 16 year old, they might do that for the first kid. But then by the time that first kid's 17 and the next one's 15, the next one's getting unlimited Uber at 15 when it's permit time, then it's going to be, Hey, 13, 14-year-old is responsible enough. She can take an Uber to her friend's house by herself. I'm not going to, hey, you tell me before you take the Uber. I want to know where you are at all times. I want to track you by your cell phone. I want to know where you're at. I want you to Marco Polo me. I want I want you to text me, call me, whatever. But yeah, you can take the Uber by yourself. It all changes. It all changes. The tube amp industry is changing. I'm not going to get into this right now. This is not where I want to take this. But the tube amp industry is changing. There's always going to be a place for tube amps. There's always going to be self-driving cars with internal combustion engines. That's part of Americana. It's part of history. We don't lose that. But listen, the biggest acts in the world have gone digital. Why? Because they're not romantic. Taylor Swift is trying to put on the best show possible. And to do that... To do that, the tour manager and the people who are all around Taylor Swift, they're unwilling to, to look at the guitar player and go, hey, we need to change your gear. And the guitar player goes, no, 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 you don't understand. I have to have a 412 on stage with this to get my tone. They're going to be like, you have to get out of here right now because you're fired. That's what, the, that's what they'll do because they, they don't care. You think anyone cares about the guitar player? My dudes, modern music is not about guitar right now. Like, 
Like, look, Greta Van Fleet is like doing their best to show us that rock and roll is not dead. And people are just like, excuse my language, they're just shitting all over them. I don't know why everyone's so upset with these kids. These kids love rock and roll and they love Led Zeppelin. They started a band. Their music is good. They have fans and got famous. And then now people are like, they hate them for it. I don't understand. They're just playing music. Who cares? They're not stealing. Do you think anybody who's listening, do you think anyone who went to um, freaking Coachella and they watched Greta Van Fleet play, were any of them, if Greta Van Fleet didn't show up, were any of them going to like stream Led Zeppelin at Coachella? No. They were going to listen to like Tyler the Creator or some garbage music that doesn't sound good. Some mumble rap, mumbo jumbo. Like, you know what I'm saying? Can we stop hating on people who play the guitar? Anyway. And Adam Levine. Let me just say something. I I just want to say this. Like, if you don't think Maroon 5 writes great pop songs, you're an idiot. You're j- like, you don't. I, d- I, I hope this hits someone the wrong way listening to my podcast. I just want to say something. If you don't get that Maroon 5 makes pop music, that freaking James Valentine is a Berkeley school guy who is, who has brought, who like has done a lot to bring back funk, you know, like put that on that stuff. Like I want to point something out, like that funk stuff that you hear on like Bruno Mars and, and all that, all that like R&B stuff, they brought that to like, to like pop music that was like accessible to a different part of the market that isn't going to, that isn't skewing hip hop, right? young white girls what I'm talking about. And it's great stuff. And, and Adam Levine has a great voice. Well, whatever. If you think his tattoos look stupid, if you think, but, but like, if you think Maroon 5 writes bad songs, if you think those hooks aren't catchy, if you think the guitars aren't good like that, there's not some good like funk music. Dudes, they're making pop dance music. All that stuff is pop dance music. They got a couple ballads like She Will Be Loved, but they have so many hits. I went and saw Maroon 5 live twice. I'm not even a Maroon 5 fan. They were one time they opened for John Mayer, which is still which is a it still would be a good pairing, but they're too big to open for for John now. If you think like I just I hate that attitude, that musical elitist attitude that's like, I'm a guitar player, like, oh, Maroon 5 was so terrible. Like, just if you're one of those people who hate it, who just, you can't even remember the last Super Bowl halftime show you liked, I just don't have any respect for your musical opinion because you're just, I've watched so many people, they're just so much more concerned with like being a contrarian than just like saying, like, I don't know what it is about being negative. I, I truly don't get it. It's not in my DNA to be that negative. And maybe the only thing I'm that negative about is when people are just being negative. Now, I'm watching people on like the gear page. I'm not going to mention any names. There's actually a dude on there who ticks me off so bad. He said all these things about Maroon 5. He actually made me an offer one time on Reverb for a pedal. It wasn't that low of an offer. I just declined it because honestly, I didn't, I didn't want to have any contact with him. Maybe this is petty. I didn't want him to take my pedal and even try to return it, it because it would have ruined my, my like day, my week. And I was just like, no. Because because if this thing shows up broken and then he wants to, do, I'm just I'm just gonna sell it to someone else. So I just declined it. I'm not even gonna say the name. It's just a dude over there. He's overly negative. He's like a very elitist attitude. It's you can guess who it is. It's not it's not Nathan. It's not Spence. It's no one like that. It's none of the admins. It's not even a guy who's on there all the time. He just pokes his head up, is negative, leaves. 
And I've just been on there long enough to like identify. And she's like, dude, I don't know. Find something that makes you happy. You know, just stop like, like just, you know, saying everybody else is garbage. Maroon 5's garbage. No, they're not. They're just not. They're just not. You know, there's, there's bad music out there. There's a lot of not talented, famous people. Maroon 5's not it. They're just not. You don't have to like the music. I don't like metal. I don't like modern metal. I, I don't like periphery. Like, I don't listen to that music. You think I would say they suck? I can hear they don't suck. I just don't want to listen to it. Not like, not even like I don't want to listen to it. Like, I'll listen to it for what it is and like, that's cool. But I'm not going to pull it up and listen to it in my car. It's not my preferred choice. I'm not even that big of a Metallica fan. Do I think Metallica sucks? No. Like, that's ridiculous. When people say the Beatles suck, they de- like they deserve to be punched in the throat. I just, I, I that's too harsh. I shouldn't say that. But like, I've heard that too. It's like, the Beatles suck. If you were listening to the Beatles, the Beatles suck. All the songs. It's just like, no, you don't have any, you don't have any reference. You don't have any frame of reference. And you're just talking. Anyway, I got sidetracked. Listen, my dudes, everything changes. And this is the thing for me is stuff changes. I've been uh, at a family business for a long time and I'm, I'm kind of in the mode of needing to transition out of that in a way that looks like this. I probably still will have some involvement there, but I need my day-to-day to go towards the stuff I'm most passionate about. Right now that's Tone Junkie and right now that's, that's, um, that's another thing that I'm starting that I think I just have to do and it's a little more broad and uh, I don't want to talk about that, but all that to say, if you notice more content coming out, it's because I've really shifted my days to devote the most time I have to Tone Junkie. And, and um, really, you know, in like, I just had this wake up moment. Part of it was like getting healthier. Part of it's like being in control of my diet, right? That gives you a lot of control. Like when you start losing weight and, you, and it's directly related to your actions, you just feel very much in control over your body. And that's good because I have, I I do feel very much in control of that, but I also feel in control of, of my career in a way that I probably haven't in the past. I love doing Tone Junkie. Can it pay all my bills? Not really. No, but I can do what I love and pay my bills. I believe that, right? And so I'm in this process of transitioning. Like this podcast studio I built in my house isn't just for Tone Junkie. It's actually for some other projects that I want to do because I just love marketing and and making content and in adding value. And I just like, I so strongly believe, so I just so strongly believe that like, if you want to sell a thousand of something, you can try to do that and you might succeed. But if you try to offer value for free, by making content, by giving things away for free, by doing everything you can to be a resource. If you try to resource 10,000 people or 50,000 people or 100,000 people, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 customers will fall in your lap. So to me, like the monetizing of stuff, like the, the profiles with Tone Junkie, it's the byproduct of me just trying to do the best thing. I view it like a service in a way because I love these amps. I want to capture these amps. I want that tone. And I almost do it 
in a way that's so fast, it may be hard to appreciate it all. But I've fallen in love with this idea of like making just like a library, you know, opening the, the doors to like, it's all there. I'm not the first person, but I just am doing them in a way that I really, I would want. And I, I hope other people are into that and want it. And I'm a big Stu G fan. And so when the opportunity came up and I reached out to Stu, it was like, I'm going to, I want to do that. And now, and, and I'll be honest with you, like we talked about the money side of things and we came up with a price that we think is really good. That price is a little more, it's, it's more than a normal Tone Junkie pack, but it's more than a normal Tone Junkie pack because it's, it's days and days like Profiling his amps has been the slowest profiling I've ever done because I have to make sure he's happy with every single thing because he wants to use it. There are so many times we were at the point where Stu was like, it's just not right. And I thought to myself, no one will notice this difference, but it's just not right. So you stop and you try it again. You stop, you adjust a mic, you try again. You stop, you adjust parameter, you try again. You stop, you did something with this guitar and it sounded good, but now we plugged in this guitar and tested it out and it doesn't sound good. We got to go back. Painstaking, painstaking. The great thing is we worked way ahead. So we've done the park. We've done the AC30. We've done those amps together. We've done the JMP. We did the park and the JMP together. We've done the Mesa. We've done the Arshall. We've done all the profiles. Now we just have to build the performances for the rest of the stuff. We've built the park ones, of course, already because it's about to come out. We put in a bunch of effects, but we just have to build the performances for the other amps, for the other amp packs. But it's just the time of like, and and for this, like, I'm like, my video skills are what they are. I'm not a videographer. I just have some cameras in my room, like my, in my basement, you know what I mean? (laughs) And I just show people how to work at Kemper sometimes. And so like in doing that, you know, I'm still figuring out video. And so I hired a videographer. I hired a buddy who, who hooked me up with a great deal, which I appreciate because he's in the stew and he's into the amps and everything. But like that takes time, you know, rent, getting the studio for that many days. It just takes time. So why am I saying that? Because like, you know, we put a lot into this. It, it's, it's a premium price compared to our other stuff. Not very premium at all, I don't think. It's not very premium at all. I'll, tell you, I'll just tell you that. You'll see tomorrow what it is. But I just believe, like, and we're going to give away some stuff for free. Like, like I'll give away one or two profiles for free. That'll be what we do. On the next one, like, then we're going to make, because the next one is more praise and worship focused because it's more what Stu's playing now with Michael W. Smith, which is Miracles, which is Surrounded, which is, like, other big songs, right, that are big in the PNW world. So that's where I'm going to give away a free Stu G go-to praise and worship performance that's going to have some AC30 stuff in there. So there's going to be like free stuff because that's that's my mantra. But I just I just want to I just want to believe that like like I'm not even really that concerned about what this thing sells tomorrow. I'm really not. Like whatever we put in money and putting in that money and then making sales on the product, we might not come out better than if I just did an AC30 by myself. I don't know. Who knows? I don't I don't know. I see people excited, but you know you get 10 comments that people are excited. That's great. You never know. I just never focus on that. I just don't focus on what the sales are. 
I just focus on I just focus on how many people can be helped by this. I focus on that. I focus on put out something for free and get it in 10,000 people's hands and get the general consensus, wow, this is great. And then you know what? Then marketing isn't trying to convince anyone. I don't want to convince anyone of anything. Convincing people is a waste of time. I just want to raise my hand and go, here's what I'm doing. Are you into that? Here's what I'm doing. And people will run up and be like, that's so cool. And I'll be like, hey, what's up? Other people will be like, that's not cool. And I'll be like, see you later. You're not a Maroon 5 fan, are you? Like legit. I appreciate the constructive comments like so much. Like when people tell me like, oh, the audio's this or the audio's bad. Like one person told me the audio's so low on the podcast. I think it has to do, honestly, I'm just going to break for a minute. I was using a converter and then I wasn't really testing the level back. And I realized, I think when I'm converting it from the video to the audio, it's lowering the thing. So I got to check that out. I also have a piece of hardware on the way that I think is going to fix the problem. Um, So anyway, um, I'm going to fix that, dudes. I I want the podcast to be as great as it can. And um, obviously, I've been trying to put out more content with it. And these phone ones, I mean, these phone ones are just what it is. But the ones with the mic, at this point, they just... The audio is just weak. It doesn't sound that good. I can't I can't really figure out why. I'm just going directly to an interface. I'm doing like a compressor. I don't know. I must be doing something wrong. I'll, I'll figure it out though. But man, that's just my mantra, you know? And so I'm just in this part, like everything changes. Everything changes. So I'm just going to lean. What you're going to see in this in 2019 is I'm leaning into Tone Junkie, tone junkie and um uh, you know, I studied entrepreneurship in, in in college, and I went to work for my family right after that. My dad's an entrepreneur. It's time that I really put on my big boy pants, and it's time I really embraced uh, what's been in my heart. And that's um, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I know that, and so I'm hooked up with these guys doing the songwriting thing, and I have another project that I'm working on. But basically, I've I've got to start the company that I've always really wanted to have, and the company that I have to start because. My dad's like a self-made guy, and I've worked for him for a lot of years, and um, I've loved that. And there was a long time where I thought I wanted to inherit his business and keep it going. And at some point, I just realized, if I don't build something myself, uh, I'll just always rock around believing that I'm a that I'm a wantrepreneur, that I that that I didn't I should have tried, that I wasted what I what I maybe I could have done. So maybe I'll talk about it in future stuff, but I don't have a technology or anything. I have. I, I just want to start a company around what I believe I'm good at and um, what I believe I can do better than most people. So um, that is a particular like set of skills that I think um, I have from from working at my dad's company for so long, and I've. I've really refined stuff. I've refined a lot of stuff around content making, like with Tone Junkie. Not that it's been high quality, but the tactics have been good. You know, I'm not a videographer, but but the tactics of the content that I'm putting out, I think, have been working because it's. I've been able to cast a wide net. I realize I, I start to notice it when now that I'm 18 months in, and I go to message boards where I don't hang out, and people mention Tone Junkie. I realize, oh wow, I really have gotten in front of a lot of people. But I've just had my head down and I've been working. Someone messaged me yesterday and they said like maybe the most flattering thing. They said, I don't know if you see it from the outside looking in, dude, but you're just, you're everywhere. You're all over the Kemper world. 
man, that was the best compliment because all I've ever wanted is for people is just to build like kind of a brand that I thought made great profiles, great stuff. And now I'm I'm trying to do IRs and some, some Helix stuff, you know, without leaving what I am. I'm a Kemper dude, but I want to do some IRs and I think placing them in Helix patches is going to help users get the most out of them, right? But it was funny, like just for a minute, I picked my head up yesterday when that dude said that to me and he said, you're everywhere, you know, like I see you all over. And I, I noticed earlier in the week, there was some mentions on the gear page and on the Kemper forums, like, like, like several. And I just went, wow, like people are act- people actually are like tone junkie fans. This is, this is crazy. And then at that same, like that same week being with Stu, it just hit me. It just hit me, man. Like it's a slow burn, you know, you don't, you don't find happiness. You don't find happiness overnight. You know, I don't know if anyone listens to Jordan Peterson, but I've been listening to that guy. I started listening to him about a year ago. I haven't really listened to him lately, but he was one of the voices that like got me really going. And his thing was just like, if you're, if you're like, if you're not who you want to be, just clean up your room. Like what? What does that mean? Just clean up your room. Like if you can look out there and you see somebody who is who you want to be, who is the people you admire? They're the people who other people can rely on, who are responsible for things. Maybe you're not, they, maybe they wake up early. Maybe they do a lot. Maybe people rely on them. They admire them. They take care of a lot. Those, those people who people admire, they have people in their community who rely on them. They have people in their church who rely on them. They're a leader. They're, they're, a, they're, they're someone who can, who is an aid to other people. They're a blessing to people. Their family relies on them for sustenance, for care, you know, they're dependable. They're like pillars. If you're not that person and you, but you want to be happy, just clean your room. Michael, what does that have to do with happiness? Having responsibility. Responsibility leads to happiness. Man, some people need to know that. Because happiness, real happiness has to do with fulfillment. Fulfillment and, and value. And, and being proud of what you do. When you are really proud, when there's no voices in your head going, yeah, but you got there by doing this. Yeah, but so-and-so handed it to you. Yeah, but he's not as good as so-and-so. Yeah, but that's all fake. When those voices aren't there and you stand up, you're really proud. You don't fear anything. You're not afraid to meet other people. You're not afraid of who else, what else somebody's doing. You're doing your thing. This guy Jordan Peterson said was like clean your room. And I gotta say, 18 months a year ago, I was in a place where I needed to have someone tell me, just clean up your room. What does that mean? It means if you're not that person, right? Getting there is impossible right now. If you're not, if if you see way far away where you need to be as a person, where you need to get to in your career, in your family life, with your marriage, with your kids, in your church life, in your in your spiritual life, in your emotional well-being. If you see someone is healthy and you go, that's like so, I can't even imagine myself there. Okay, that's fine. 
The reason you can't imagine yourself there is because you've never walked down the road to get to that place. So here's what you need to start doing. You need to clean your room because right now you are who you are. But if you clean your room, you'll be, you won't be who you are right now. You'll be who you are, but with a clean room. And you'll be the version of you that doesn't have a messy room anymore. And maybe if maybe the version of you that doesn't have a messy room with everything disorganized in your home, in the space where you live and the space where you think and the space where you decompress, maybe that version of you is better than the version of you today where it's just chaos. So clean up your room. Make your bed in the morning. Clean up your room. Wake up 15 minutes earlier and do it because the version of you that can that has the discipline to just wake up 15 minutes earlier is closer to the version of you that will have the discipline to do the next thing you want to do that will bring you an incremental amount of achievement, an incremental amount of pride, an incremental amount of joy that will lead to you finding real fulfillment, being really happy. And you will find that that amount of responsibility directly correlates to how good you feel when you make up that 20 minutes early. Because at first it's groggy and it's not good and it's, uh, it's 20 minutes, I just want to sleep in. But at some point you'll realize when you don't wake up 20 minutes early, you feel terrible because you're back to the person with a messy room without a made bed. And those incremental steps will get you closer and closer until you look back and realize, I was there, now I'm here. I could see myself getting where I'm trying to go. And I got to say, this past 18 months, like doing Tone Junkie, and now being here working with Stu, it's made me put two and two together. It's really made me realize that this HW today, this Jonathan today, I'm the guy who could build the thing that I really want to build. But I wasn't 18 months ago. But you know what it's been? It's been my freaking love of Kemper profiles. It's been my freaking love of tone and amps and of people just messaging me about how to get great tone. And so many emails. I'm behind on the emails, which I hate, but I'm going to catch up. I'm answering emails from like three and four days ago. I'm trying to get it done, dudes. But doing that, and then just going like, wow, um, I need to put in a late night. And so I do. And so I've had nights at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., where I'm going to bed at 3 a.m. And then I'm waking up four hours later. I'm bringing my son to school. I've had those nights and, 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 and just those nights where I just look at my wife and I'm, I'm measuring how much is left in our emotional bank account because I'm measuring it going, do I have enough invested in this relationship in the time I've spent with you and the kids that I can make this request right now? Hey, babe, I need to work like past dinner, through dinner. Can you bathe and put the kids to bed? And I'm probably going to work late. And I just go downstairs and I just do it. And then bang, bang, boom. I go upstairs. Everybody's asleep. And it's like, I'll see my family tomorrow. They're still going to be here. And then some nights it's, I can't do any more late nights. I got to see my kids. I got to see my wife. I got to see my kids. I have to prioritize and remember that even though there's urgent stuff, it's not all the time that 
it, it, we, it's not all the time that what's the most urgent is the most important. So sometimes you have to take the most urgent thing and put it in its place, put it aside, and go after the thing that may not be urgent, but it's important. That can be spending time with your wife, your kids, your husband, your whatever, your family. I got to get to the gym, man. My diet's been on point. I've been losing weight. I feel great, but I got to get to the gym. You know what I mean? Because dieting is great and like working hard is great. It's really good for you. It's really good for your soul. It's really good for your personal development. But you know what's good for your cardiovascular system? A freaking run on the treadmill. So that's what I'm going to go do right now. Because I was a guy with because I was a guy who needed to drop weight, who wasn't putting enough hours in the day, who wished he could be doing something that he wasn't, and I had a messy room. And then I cleaned my room, and then I started doing something I love on top of my normal job, and then I started devoting more time to the thing that I love. And now I realize, um, and th- and then I, I and then I started eating better, feeling better, and now I realize now I'm the person who needs to get his butt on a treadmill and take this all the way. We're not going to settle for a single or a double. We're trying to hit home runs. We're aiming for the fences. Everything changes. What great news that is. I'm HW. Thank you so much for listening. Guys, I'm so excited about the stuff we got coming up. So excited. I owe you IRs. I've been talking about it. They're just not done yet. I've just been so busy working on this other stuff. But man, I'm so excited for this next year. I'm so excited for 2019 and Tone Junkie and everything. I got some do. I can't even believe this last little story I'll tell. We found the Suze's amp, and, and we're going to profile tomorrow or on Saturday. Love you, dudes. If you listen to the podcast and you want to comment, if this was encouraging to you at all or whatever, if you made it to the end, if you sat through what I guess was like an HW therapy hour or something, dude, leave me a comment. Just put clean your room. Just put up, but just put up clean your room somewhere. That would mean the world to me. It really would. That I find that stuff so encouraging. Like, man, that gives me so much drive and energy when people write that little comment. Just comment anywhere. Clean your room. On anything, just post it on the Tone Junkie wall, send me a message, post it on any Tone Junkie post, I'll see it. Just put clean your room, dude, I'll heart it. Thank you all from the bottom of my heart. Thank you all for the support of Tone Junkie. Um, I'm going to go get on the treadmill now. I got to go hit the gym. All right, dudes, forever grateful. HW, out.